Well, welcome. I hope your week went well for you. Uh, some of you are working on things around the house, right? You're cleaning up those projects that you never got around to. You are working on the yard or the garden, and some of you are doing projects, right? I remember a number of years ago, I was working, I was at uh, helping out the single mom, and she had some issues on her roof. And I was up on the roof and doing some repairs up there. I don't even remember what I was doing, but I was doing some repairs up there, and I had my tools with me. I was up there for about 45 minutes. My boys were playing in the yard with her kids, and they were running around. It was a two-story house. And I remember uh, finishing the job, and I was trying to gingerly and carefully uh, come down off the roof. I had a ladder up to the side of the house, and I was coming off the, the pitch of the roof. And uh, some of you have been there, and I began to slide. And I realized that I was going to slide off the end of the roof, a two-story house. And at that moment, when I knew that I wasn't going to be able to stop myself, I had a moment of absolute panic. And that, I think, is how Peter felt when he got out of the boat that day on the lake and was walking on water, and all of a sudden he began to sink, and he began to panic. And he cried out to Jesus one word. Well, he said more than that, but essentially the concept was, help. And that's what we want to talk about. This series is about words that we use that will change the relationships. If we know how to use those words and what, what the weight of those words means and what the significance of those words are, if we learn how to use those words, um, they could change our relationships. And so that's kind of what we want to talk about in this series. Five words that will change your relationships. But let's look at Peter as he cries out to Jesus for help. This is found in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. I'm going to read it to you. We're going to start at verse 25. If you have a Bible, you can pull it out. Or you can just listen along with me. Listen to me. And I'll read it out. Matthew 14 verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, he walked on the water, and he came towards Jesus. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me or help <laughs> immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him you have little faith he said why did you doubt and when in, when they climbed into the boat the wind died down then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying truly you are the son of God so let's just talk about the context of what's going on here so Jesus sends his disciples to cross the lake he goes up on the mountain and he prays to his father, which was his regular uh, practice. So he's in prayer to the father 
And then he approaches them, and it seems like it's the end of the, the evening, the beginning, you know, just about morning time. And uh, it says that the disciples' boat traveled quite a ways, and Jesus approaches them shortly before dawn. The disciples are absolutely terrified when they see Jesus uh, uh, walking on water to the boat. They, they think it's a ghost, and they, they're very uh, afraid. Peter makes an incredibly bold, bold request. He says, well, Lord, if it's you, he says, tell me to come to you uh, in, in, on the water. And so Peter does. And God's, it, Jesus says, yes, come. And so Peter does. He walks out on the water. But when he, it says, when he saw the waves, when he saw the waves and he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink and he panicked. And he cried out to Jesus, help, Lord, save me. Now, <clears throat> There's a lot of lessons we can learn from this passage of Scripture. Um, let me just give you a few. Uh, you, you may have heard these or you may have thought of these as we've gone through these passages, uh, this passage before. But here's a few of them. One of the lessons we learn is keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't focus on the wind and the waves. Uh, don't be like Peter who took his eyes off of Jesus, right? So keep your eye on Jesus when you go through those challenging times right that's one lesson we can learn another lesson is faith is simply taking the next step uh, whatever it might be Peter took the step of faith and uh, Jesus uh, that Jesus had set before him and you know we're often hard on Peter and we say well look at what Peter did he failed well he was the only one that stepped out of the boat and so you got to give him credit for that here's another lesson we can learn Fear will sink your faith. Fear will sink your faith. Peter allowed his faith to be overcome by fear. Now the opposite is also true. That, that true faith will overcome your fears. So that's another lesson we could learn. Here's one more. A little faith is better than no faith. Peter was the only one, as I said, to step out of the boat, wasn't he? He was the only one to do it. Now... Acting on a little faith is better than waiting around for more faith. Let me say it one more time. Acting on a little faith is better than waiting around for more faith. And I find too many Christians are waiting to have more faith before they're willing to take a step of faith. And here's what I think. I don't think our faith grows until we take steps of faith. In fact, that's the way our faith grows. So... That, those are lessons we could learn, but that's not what we're going to focus on this weekend. I, I, as I was thinking about this passage, I saw something that struck me that I'd never really thought about uh, before. I'd always focused on Peter walking and then sinking uh, in fear and failure into the water, and you know, don't take your, you know, all the lessons we just talked about. I always kind of reflected on that, but I never thought about the prayer that Peter pr Peter prayed. You know, cried out to Jesus. And what he essentially says is, Lord, save me. It's a prayer of help. It's a prayer that's clean, it's desperate, and it's focused on faith. And that's kind of what I want to look at. I want to look at this whole idea of asking for help. All right, here's some lessons that I think we can draw from this passage and from the rest of Scripture. The first one is this, and this will be in the notes section. Your pride will keep you from getting help. Your pride will keep you from getting help. Now, Peter had no time for pride. He had no time 
for doubt, he was in a panic. Asking for help is a normal part of being a human being. We all need help. Too many, though, of us think that asking for help is a declaration of failure. Asking for help shows weakness. And and we'll say, you know, I'll do everything that I can, but I don't ever want to ask for help. Or we say, well, fear, we fear like, well, I don't want to overstep my my friendships. Uh, I don't want to appear needy. I don't want to impose. I don't want to, people to think I'm struggling. I don't want people to know that I don't have my life all together. So I don't want to ask for help. And what do we do? How many times have you done this? You haven't asked for help early. You've waited too late. And then you've gotten yourself in a real mess instead of asking for help early. But here's something you need to consider. When you share your burden, you may find that others gladly want to share it with you. And sometimes we rob people of the opportunity to bless us. So a number of years ago, here at Hope Church, when we were back in the other building, we had gotten, Carol and I had gotten flowers for all the moms. I think it was Mother's Day. We had gotten them the Saturday night. We didn't have a Saturday service. And we got them Saturday night. We put them in the refrigerator. And we were going to give them to all the moms on Mother's Day. To our horror... We walked out on, uh, we came to the church and we looked in the refrigerator and all the roses were wilted because the refrigerator was too cold. And we didn't have, Carol couldn't go anywhere and I couldn't, we didn't have time. There was no time for us to go and get more roses. So we were like, we're in the middle of this and we just kind of looking at each other. What are we going to do? And in walks in this lady, Dorothy. Dorothy walked in, and she saw the kind of look on our faces, and she says, what's wrong? What can, how can I help? And we, you know, we told her the situation. We put the flowers in, and look at them. They're wrecked, and we want to give them out to the moms today. We, don't, we, we can't go and do it. She said, I'll go get the flowers. I said, oh, man, that would be great. So she, as she's leaving, I said to her, I said, I said, uh, I said, Dorothy, uh, get, keep the receipt because we want to reimburse you for what you spend on the roses, you know. And um, she says, don't worry about it. I said, no, 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 really. We want to reimburse you for the roses. We don't want you to have to spend your money for the roses. And Dorothy said something to me that I will never forget. And I've said it to a number of you. Some of you have heard me say this. She said this. She said, when the manna falls, pick it up. Now, what she was saying was, the people in Israel, when they're out in the wilderness, they had manna, and they went out every day, and they picked up the manna, and God had provided for them every day. And what she was saying was, I'm God's instrument of bringing you manna. Just pick it up. And here's the other part of that is, when we fail to allow other people to bless us who want to bless us, who want to come alongside us, who want to help us, we are robbing them of the blessing that God wants them, us to receive through them. See, when people want to bless you, humble yourself and pick up the manna. Here's the principle we want to, just as first point, help begins where pride ends. 
Health begins where pride ends. All right, that's the first point. Here's the second one. Asking the right person for help is critical. Asking the right person for help is critical. So Peter, Peter doesn't have a fully functioning, a fully formed faith when he cries out to Jesus. It, you know, he's desperate. He's sinking. He's panicking. His own, but, but he did the right thing. He called out to the only person who could save him at that point. He calls out to Jesus, which was very smart. And, and the principle for us is we need to have the right people around us. We need to have competent counselors around us. Uh, this is what Proverbs, this is Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. Here's what it says. Plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. Plans count lack, fail for lack of counsel. But many, with many advisors, they succeed. Here's the thing. Here's what I found. Somebody is always ahead of you. They have more experience than you. They are further down the road than you. They have struggled in a similar way as you. Maybe it's in business. Maybe it's in a marriage. Maybe it's in parenting. Maybe it's just in life. And we need to have a team of people around us, advisors around us. And I want to ask you this. Who's on your team? Are you willing to put a team together? Are you willing to ask for help and put people around you, advisors around you? The Bible encourages us to have wise people in our corner. Now, let me give you three relationships, and I talked about this a number of years ago, but I want to remind you of this. There's three important relationships that we ought to all have. One is reaching up, one is reaching over, and one is reaching down. We all need to have a Yoda. If you've never seen Star Wars, you have no idea what I'm talking about. We all need to have a mentor, somebody that we look up to, somebody who is further down the road, somebody who is wise, somebody who, who, who can encourage us and call us out. We need to have that, that Yoda, that mentor. Secondly, we need to have colleagues and peers. We need, to, you know, it's the iron sharpens iron idea, right? And that's Proverbs 27, 17. And I'll read that in a minute. So we need to have peers around us that we learn from and grow from, and, and, and we need to have that. But then we also need to have protégés or apprentices. We think of Paul and Timothy. Um, so who are we pouring our lives into? Who are we helping? Who are we helping up? Who are we coming around? And so, so we need to have those three relationships. One is a Yoda where we reach up. One is where we reach over uh, our peer. One is where we reach down to uh, uh, an apprentice or uh, a protégé. Uh, here's a couple things that you need to think about when you look to put this team, this group around you. Um, look for advisors who are competent, who know what they're talking about, who have wisdom and life experience to back up their advice. Uh, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you've got people around you who aren't very wise and they're not very smart and they're not, very, they're not good advisors. And uh, they're, they may be part of the problem. You're getting bad advice from people who don't know what they're talking about. Look at, here's another one. Look for advisors who are biblically mature and thoughtful. You need people who can tell you what you don't want to hear when you need to hear it. 
They care about you enough to challenge you and to confront you. We need to have people that we give permission to call us out when the wheels are coming off. And, and too many of us are, are not willing to have that type of transparency with other people. Here's another one. Look for diversity of advisors. You need to have people from different perspectives and views. You need to have the best information to act upon. This is where Proverbs comes in. Proverbs 27, 17. As a man, uh, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need to have those people in our lives and give them permission to speak to us. And uh, so those, those are a few things. So here's the principle from the second point. Having the right people in your corner is essential. Having the right people in your corner is essential. Here's the third point. Third point. We have been helped for a purpose. We have been helped for a purpose. So Jesus saved Peter's life that day. Peter went on to become one of the pillars. Paul calls him one of the pillars of the church. And by the way, Peter wasn't the, the, the first pope and he wasn't the only one. In fact, when you read through the New Testament, it's very clear that Peter, James, and John were, you know, part of that and the, the, the leadership of the early church. So you see that going on. Uh, but Peter went on to become uh, uh, one of the pillars. But he understood his, his, his responsibility not just to live his life and to be selfish, but to help others know and serve, come to know and serve Jesus. As a human being, and especially as a follower, follower of Jesus Christ, as a Christian, you have a responsibility when you can to help other people out. God placed you on this planet. He saved your soul to make a difference in the lives of the people around you. You are here to influence others for the kingdom of God. That's one of the reasons why you exist. That's one of the reasons why you have a pulse and a breath today, is because God wants you to do that. In fact, what's the second command? Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, think of others, not just of yourself, right? Jesus didn't say, you know, love me and don't worry about anything else or anyone else. No, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Think of some other people. You see, God doesn't place us for nothing. He doesn't help us for nothing. He, also always, helps, he always helps us towards something. And, um, you know, Rick Warren said it along, and I, and I love this phrase. He says, God never wastes a hurt. And I love that because I want to ask you the question, how is God helping you to help others? And many times God is using the hurts in your life so that you can help other people who are going through that. You're further down the line. You know what they're feeling. You know what they're going through. You know what they're experiencing. And you can help them. You can come alongside them and give them good counsel. Oftentimes our role, role is not to give advice. And that's hard for me. Sometimes I have to pump the brakes because I always, like, I'm an advice guy. And sometimes that's not what a person needs. Sometimes they need a shoulder to cry on. Sometimes they just need a listening ear. Sometimes they just need a warm embrace. One of the best things that Job's friends did after uh, Job had his calamity, he lost his, he lost his family, he lost his wealth, he lost his health. And he's sitting there and he's scraping the boils with a pot. And his friends come and it says for a week they didn't say a word. They just sat there with him. Sometimes that's all we need to do is just to say, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to try to give you any advice right now because you're hurting. I just want you to know 
that I'm here because I'm in your corner and you just need to know I'm with you in this. So this was a long time ago and uh, it was one of the Olympics and I think it was the Chinese team. And whenever one of the athletes got done with a, with a routine, uh, like balance beam or the vault or the parallel bars or the rings, uh, this one guy was always standing there. He wasn't the coach. And all he did when they got done was give him a big hug. <laughs> and I gave him a name. I called him Chin Hug. And I thought, we all need a chin hug in our lives. We all need somebody to give us a high five and to give us a hug. And just to say, I'm in your corner. And when you get done with your routine, I'm going to give you a hug. You know, We all need people like that. And so here's the principle. God helps us to help others. And he wants us to help others. Here's the, the, the fourth point. This is the final point. We all need to cry out. For help to Jesus. I love this verse in Psalm 121. This, this is really the first verse I came to. When I was thinking about this, this uh, sermon. I love this verse. It's one of those that in your Bible you should underline it. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on your mirror. Here's what it says. Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. And I love that last part because what it says is my help comes from the guy that the person <laughs> that made everything. That made the heavens and the earth. And our biggest need isn't what we often think it is. is that, you know we often think well right now I just need to get through this pandemic. Or I need to get a, you know, get a job. Or I need to fix this relationship. Or I, my health isn't very good. Or my relationships aren't very good. And we think this is the biggest problem we have. Not to downplay those, the importance of those problems. But I just want to tell you. All of those are important. But the critical need. And every person that's ever lived on this planet. Except Jesus. Is to be at peace with almighty God. To be known by God. And to know God. Is the most important need that you have in your life. Because until you know your creator. Until you know your savior. It's really hard to understand why you were created. And the purpose of your life. And to not know that. Is to go around. Kind of trying to figure it out as you go. It's much better to say. He is God. He created me in his image. He sent his son to die on a cross for me. And he rose on the third day. And he's got a plan and a purpose for my life. We are God's masterpiece, creating Christ Jesus for good works. Okay, now I know who I am. And so everything else kind of falls into place when we know that. Have you come to a place where you, like Peter, have cried out, help, help? See, only he can help you with the biggest problem that you have in your life. And that's why he sent Jesus. And I don't want anyone who's listening to this. To just kind of pass over this point. Because this is the primary issue. Until you humble yourself. And you come to a place. Where you cry out to Jesus. And you say like Peter. Help. You're lost. But when you call upon the Lord. The Bible says whoever calls. On the name of the Lord. Shall be saved. That's the first 
That's the first step. And when you humble yourself before your creator, before your savior, you'll find that humbling yourself the rest of the life is pretty easy. It gets easier and easier. So let me ask you a few questions as we close, just to kind of tie it all together. Have you ever cried out to God for help? Are you willing to humble yourself? Are you, or are you still on that, that American me, I can do it myself, pull myself up my, from my own bootstraps? Are you in that mentality or are you willing to humble yourself? And then how would you fill in this question? Lord, help me with my fear. Help me with my anger. Help me with my pride. Help me with my selfishness. Help me with blank. What is that? What is it? That you need help with. Let me pray with you. Father we all need your help. Whether we know it or not. We thank you that you sent us the greatest helper. That you could have. That Jesus Christ willingly left his throne. And came from heaven to earth. To live the life we should have lived. And to die the death we should have died. He gave his life on the cross freely. And took the place. Took our place. Took the wrath. Took the punishment. Took the shame. He humbled himself. He humbled himself to help us. He was buried and rose again on the third day. And Father, thank you that when we call upon Jesus, just like Peter, he saves us. We can't save ourselves, Father. May we come to a place where we understand that we are helpless and hopeless. And we cry out to Jesus and find the help that only he can give us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you where we're going next weekend. Next weekend, we're going to continue this series. And the word we're going to talk about in the relationships is thanks. Thanks. Thanks has a lot to do with relationships. Thanks to God and thanks to others. We'll talk about that next weekend. God bless you. I hope you have a great week.